Now, can you do the intro thing that you do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for permission to get started. Oh, <laughs> boy. Professional. It's going to be that kind of show today, y'all. <laughs> oh. And off the rails we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to Maybe I've Said Too Much, the bubble bath of internet podcasting. I am your host, Mike Laffey, joined as always by my, don't even know what to call them right now, <laughs> friends and <in laughs> nonsense, Izzy Swan and Joel Cromper. Gentlemen, how are you this evening? I prefer cellmate, frankly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably more accurate. <laughs> I'm I'm doing fine. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here as always. It's a beautiful day, and uh, and we're doing uh, this is uh, this is podcast 1.5, uh, and uh, I th- I think we can oh, I think no. we can roll with it. We've got some crazy stuff coming up, and I'm excited to talk about that, and uh, not be moving because that was my last week. So uh, Izzy, what's up with you? uh packing actually um nothing really major i'm just um <laughs> I, i've you know we i'm trying to get my shop oh some, really some irony in. so i moved a whole bunch of stuff into boxes and i took some stuff to storage and um just trying to get this you know get it back to where i feel comfortable you know is he on our favorite nomadic woodworker i know it's no, crazy what? right but what? Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to ask the question that I want to ask the question that, that, that no one's looking for the answer to, but the uh, the, the bubble bath. So, is oh. how many makers do you think take a you know? Ha- First of all, I, I'm gonna go there. When was the last time either of you took a bubble bath, either on your own or with someone? Two thousand years later. Uh, <laughs> you're asking us seriously, <laughs> you, I, Mike? Do you not, do you not consider the other night with, with us? I'm not talking about the three of us. The last podcast we did that that was a that was a thing we tried and and I liked it Frank, and Izzy liked it too much and that's why we can't do it anymore. Frankly, I'm in the bath right now. <laughs> I miss it. You guys were so much fun. No, because yeah, um, I don't. I mean, uh, I don't find myself rubber ducky. Sorry, if you, I was gonna say, if you want an honest answer to the last time I had a bubble bath, it has got to be like 15 years ago. I know it was not by myself. I don't take bubble baths by myself. That would just be weird. Oh, sir, you're missing out. It's not weird. I mean, so here's the thing. In my house, I have a stand-up shower, and then we have this garden tub that you can put like half of my family in, and. um extended family I mean it's only weird with cousins but you know like immediate family there's nothing really you know you get your brother in there it's 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 just fun I mean but the thing is is so like with a bathtub that size I feel like I know I know I didn't buy the house because of it but it made up a uh, you know like when we first walked in the bathroom I was like wow look at the size of that tub and then I you know it was one of those kind of things where you're like oh wow I'll always use that and then I've used it three times in the time I've been alive, right? So it's been, so, but every now and again, I just have to like make a bath because I have this giant tub and otherwise all it does is hold my sawdusty laundry, right? Until so, so what you're you saying put, is you like, you write, you write the check for like the, the mortgage payment and then you jump in the bath. 
I mean, at least like one every 24 mortgage payments has got to be like got some it. part of that I'm paying for the bathtub, right? Right. Or does that, no? I mean, am I alone here? I, Okay, first of all, when it comes to like doing things to get clean, you know, bubble bath is not a that you, that's not something you do to get clean. A bubble bath is just you're going to go do that for relaxation or whatever. Um, when it comes to the the maintenance and daily upkeep of taking care of one's body, I prefer about a four minute shower. I'm I'm in and out. I can be, I can be in the shower, out of it, and shaved, completely dressed inside of eight minutes. That's kind of my routine. I don't like. You know, and I have a process. I get in the shower. I have this exact thing I do every single time. Done. Bubble baths to um, me seem like something you do to enjoy time. And if I'm gonna go through that hassle, I'm gonna enjoy. I'm gonna enjoy that time with someone else. Come on, man. Really, a bubble bath? I mean, like a I massage. Didn't, I, I didn't know feeling a bathtub was a hassle. First of all, but oh, um, yeah, I, I subscribe to the George Carlin. <laughs> yeah, the, the George oh, no. Carlin school of, of, of hygiene is is uh, he made a joke a long time ago. He said the uh, you know you just have to you have to what was it clean the four major areas armpits asshole crotch and teeth. <laughs> so as long as you as long as you cover those four parts, you can consider yourself clean. Now he also goes on to say that you know you can save a lot of time by using the same brush for all four areas. Of course, I'm sure for a fact I've never done that. Yeah, I'm sure that was for entertainment value. <laughs> At least I hope hey, it listen, was. I, I just lost all respect for him if it wasn't. There's there's reasons we miss him. So, but um, so uh, all right. Well, I just uh, you know I I know we didn't have any topics today, so I'm challenging myself to to make up things to talk about. So <laughs> bubble bath, well, th- and we're encouraging you to work harder. What? That's fair enough. What about massages? You guys go get, get massages. I do that once in a while. If I do. I prefer to pampering get them themselves. Get them Let's now. talk about that. I mean, you know, I mean, we work hard. We're out there. Well, some of us work hard. We're out there moving stuff around and making sawdust <laughs> and lifting up boards and putting boards down and moving saws. And, you know, I mean, it can be a little rough you on both, the old body. You so. both are killing me. I mean, you're just absolutely killing me. I'm trying to keep PG. I'm trying to be a good, good uh steward of the airwaves and you and you're both just setting up beautiful raunchy jokes you're, no it, to answer your question i would i would prefer a uh i'd prefer a good back scratch to a to a back rub or massage uh however my wife and i do occasionally get his and her pedicures because and and i will tell you there's nothing uh more mainly I feel like i'm judging having, uh, no, 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 no! I have to. No, 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 no! You guys, you guys are completely missing out on this because a taking no, go ahead. feet I'm... and then toenails and all that stuff, absolute must when you're on a concrete floor for 14 hours a day. Second of oh, all, uh, to to to, there's nothing more manly than to um, take what those little Vietnamese women are giving you on your toes because they're they're like little miniature hercules they have the the crush strength of an alligator's bite you know with their hands with their tools i'm telling you okay i i I just i just have to i i almost feel like i have to like say that i take bubble baths all the time because the members of our podcast we have a a giant 
Herculean man with uh, a Viking as a symbol who drives a Prius. Um, the Spartan <laughs> of the group is getting pedicures. And I, I don't, I mean, I have to have some effeminate quality because I, I don't know that I'm, ca- I don't think I'm keeping up at this point as part of the issue. So um, we'll just say that I do bubble baths once a week. And that way, you know, you guys don't feel left hey, out. I want, I oh, want, I, hey, I want, I'd like to interject here a little defense on my part. I think driving a Prius makes me very sensible and attractive. So bite me. <laughs> There, there was actually a question about how much. Well, in 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 uh, in the Prius theme, there was a question about how much wood could you get in a Prius, and my answer was none. No, you can get a lot. You can put a full. <laughs> hey, this thing will load. You can load this thing up. I had um, one, I had six sheets of plywood in it the other day. Of course, they were cut down to, uh, they were cut in half. Girl size, but. Um, they're actually more than half. They were thirds, so 32, 32. But, um, and it didn't like it very much, but it brought it home. And you can put, a, you can put an 8-foot 2x4. In fact, you can put 20 8-foot 2x4s in this thing. So, yeah, I'm a, We're going to do a there. live podcast while, while all having a pedicure. Actually, I had a pedicure once about uh, 12 years ago, and I, I, when they got the grinders out, I quit. I was like, okay, we're done. So. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah, those, yeah. you think the it's a pleasurable experience. Now, now this is not. You think this is a feminine, like gentle thing? No, this is this is. They have power tools, folks. Well, probably not for this, your feet. I mean, no, my my feet are. You know that if if something could come out of the sky and catch roadkill, that's what my feet can look like sometimes. That's that's exactly oh, you know those talents. I, I know. I, can we talk I, about anything else? Oh yeah, I was just saying. Let's we can move on. Now. All right. The, the thought of the thought of those women touching your feet is <laughs> sorry. I'm a little... Right. Out of, little... out of all the all the topics that we've done, that's the one. Huh? Oh God! Even the conversations. The, the, the... Can we talk about fleshing raccoons again? I don't know. So, I think oh, yeah. we should have a hashtag for that. Hashtag vulture feet. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. let's just um, as as long as we're as long as we're talking about boxes, and I know that we weren't, <laughs> but I don't do segues. <laughs> right now, the whole audience just went, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Looking at the rewind button, going, "I missed something." Right? Is that we should no, have recorded so, the pre-show? So, so someone that we know posted online that they built a bunch of boxes and they were looking for some. Uh, help with pricing. They have ten of these things. They're getting ready to sell them. Um, and his name might be Andy and, Klein. In fact, it, it is Andy Klein. Andy Klein. So I and, 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 wait. Can we, before we get into the boxes thing, can we preface who Andy Klein is? Because yeah, no, we can't. You talk with him because because he is like a a, a weird. Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't. I don't want any to... backstory because that's that's actually the problem I have with this entire thing. Is there's no backstory? Well, 
So All right, let's talk about okay. six story after we have the box discussion because I think okay. it's fair so, that we preface this with with a description of who and or I guess it wouldn't be a preface because um, we're going to talk about it after. But um, I think it's fair that we have the discussion <laughs> postscript Andy because Andy is a great guy, amazing inventor. He's one of the few people I feel a lot of kinship towards, just because of the way he, his mind is very well. Oh no, this um, is this is not. Oh, wait, isn't, that, isn't, that, no. isn't that supposed to be the postscript? Isn't yeah, I, okay, yeah, I'm already off. Okay. World. Sorry. Let, See what I'm doing let, here? You guys let, are getting me, me all worked up. Let's just talk about some let me set up the already. premise. <laughs> let me set up the premise before you beat it up. You're already getting defensive. You don't even know if I'm going to be what I'm going to say. So, so the issue is, is that he posted a picture of these boxes, and he said, "Hey, I built ten of these, and just how would you price them?" Blah blah blah. So, these looking at the pictures may be some of the most intricate and beautiful boxes. I think I've ever seen. Okay, so they just—they've got inlay work. They're gorgeous. They've, the handles are intricate. I mean, they've got these really nice hinges. I mean, everything about these things is absolutely stunning. I mean, it, was a, so it you, took me a minute to get sort like of a, calibrated. A grade A kind of woodworking project. Like these are these. No, are no, very... it's not even that. To that to to call it a grade A wouldn't even be to do it justice. So, the the problem is is that. It appears no, these he just these boxes were built by extreme. Just the, the boxes were built by extremely skilled hands. They're they're gorgeous, incredibly. So, but it appeared. I mean, and, and the problem I had is that I saw a picture of these things, and my brain broke because he's just saying, "Hey, how would you price these? I built ten of them," and I'm like, "Why would why would you build these? I mean, they, there's there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason or purpose to why they were built." And and to have spent this much time and energy to craft something like these that weren't specifically made for something seems like, I don't know, it broke my brain when I was looking at them. So that's why I wanted to talk about them and bring them up because if okay, I so, built the, so the thing, part of this is because my own biases are coming into the, if I would have built this, this would have taken me four months to make these boxes. So that's why I'm looking at them going, why are you just building these to then throw them on, you know, is he really that good of a craftsman that he can just throw these together in a, on a Saturday afternoon? And am I really that bad? I think is the, the thing that's bothering me. So okay, okay. So so then the question is, and to define this a little bit better, um, he he has a product that he wants to sell. He has material and cost that go into the product. He doesn't know exactly his price point on the product. Um, and and those are okay because we all suffer from those things when we're making. Is he takes a look at, you know, a piece of furniture and says, okay, well, we have set this much and this much labor in it, and so we're going to have to get this much out of it. And those are, those are reasonable questions. So our question isn't so much on how much they should be or, or even uh, we're, we're trying to define the market, right? We're trying to say, okay, you've made these boxes. Why the hell did you make 10 of these boxes? Mm -hmm. Am I summing it up? No, you are, and I think, um, keep, you know, but the, keep, the keep question going. that was... I'm, I've said too much already. <laughs> the question that was put to the group was, I made these boxes. He put up a nice picture of the boxes. He said he made 10 of them, and he asked how much they he, that we thought they would be valued at. Now, you know, from 30 years in the in the rest, or restaurant, in the furniture business, if I saw those boxes in a, a store like, you know, like Woodland Creek or or salt, salt box farms or, or, you know, the rustic cabin up in, in New York, I could fair, I could honestly say I would see a price tag on them about uh, between 280 and $300. That 
is just not knowing anything about the boxes, not knowing why the boxes were made, not knowing what the boxes are. Anytime that you're going to sell a product, regardless of what it is, there needs to be a story behind it or in front of it for that matter. Like you said uh, earlier, Joel, before we hit record, we don't, I mean, is it a tea box? Is it a cigar box? What could it, you know, when you add value to anything, when you define it and a box is a box is a box. I don't know if it's really pretty. That's great. If it's just a regular box, it's a box. Okay. Here's this box. It looks cool. You know, what's it worth? That doesn't help you any. You want to define that. You want to have a story with it. Why did you build it? Where did the materials come from? Were you trying some new technique? What was the, you know, what was the reason behind making 10 of these um, besides just, hey, I want to sell these? You know, that that was really kind of, that makes it much more difficult. Now, if I walked into a store and there's this gorgeous box sitting here and somebody comes and say, hey, this is a tea bag made by this master craftsman and this is all this, you know, fancy materials in it and you tried this new technique. There's a story behind it. That box becomes, a, a, from goes from a, you know, $250, $300 box to a $400 box in a heartbeat because it's gorgeous. But if there's no story behind it and it's just sitting on itself with the price tag, you know, where's that fair price? So, and that's, or, I, or I know you want to get into the price tag and I'm just throwing numbers out there. I just want to say, you know, that, um, that's my point is if this, if you can, if you want to get an idea of, of a price on something, you know, not just the box itself or the widget or the, the furniture, you know, there needs to be a story that goes with it or, or a function that goes with it. Yeah, I, I think there's, I, I mean, it, it, it exactly. So you have to define, like, you can make a piece of art and you can express your passion about that particular piece of art. You know, as we often do, we make these pieces that are, I, I have no actual practical purpose, but a box is actually like the epitome of woodworking practical, right? Um, so well, you, boxes you look are, at those boxes. Things. Most people, sorry to interrupt, I, I'm, I'm in that mood tonight. Boxes are innately interesting to people because we store things in them. You, you can't go into anybody's house and not find a box somewhere. Right, but the, the interesting thing is, oh, I have this really cool box now because it was, it was beautiful and I'm going to store X in it. Like, like you have, like nobody, I don't think many people buy a box and go, oh, well, now I have this box. We buy jewelry boxes. We buy humidors. We buy gun boxes. We buy display boxes. We buy shadow boxes. Like things are defined to the consumer itself. Now you can, you can store your guns in a shadow box. You can store your tea bags in a gun box. Doesn't matter. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's whatever you want to do. But we call those things, we define those things as a, as a, because, because people then can relate the use for it. Not only do you buy a beautiful art piece, but it actually has functionality to it. Mm -hmm. I think, am I, am I hitting? I, my, I think my problem yeah, with these, these boxes, but the, the thing that, the, the part that makes my head hurt is I don't think I have anything in my house nice enough to enclose them within these things. So it was part of the problem. Like, I can't think of anything that I would need to uh, make that ornate. You know, so it was just, uh, yeah. So when I, when, when, because I didn't see the post originally, I was told, hey, you have to check these boxes out. They're amazing. And he's looking, you know, how would you price them? And, you know, we always look for stuff like that because we're always looking for ideas for podcasts, just kind of how we, you know, we, we sort of troll the internet looking for those things. But, yeah, just looking at these, I mean, they are absolute. They, I mean, if you, if you have a chance, I don't know if he's makes if he shares these things publicly or not, but 
if you go to, um, if you're friends with Andy, go online, look at these boxes he published, and just just stare at them for a little while, and just take a minute because they are spectacular. I just uh, yeah. when when I see something that says, "Hey, I'm," you know, I, I made ten of these, and now I'm looking for a price. I can't. Uh, there's, I just can't believe that these were made without a specific point or purpose. Um, and I mean, he's just, he's, I mean, yeah. it, it, it speaks volumes to his level of craftsmanship that he can literally just create these for absolutely no reason, because that would be a major undertaking for me to, for the amount of detail and artistry that went into those things. Um, so that, and that's probably the, the part to me that was the most sort of, you know, I was, I was the most taken aback by was like, why do these things exist? Like, you know, is that, what you're telling me that you didn't make these to like give to every member of your family who was the most special to you to enclose something that meant more than anything in the world. It's just, you just made these just to make them. So, and I'm sure hopefully you'll hear this and you know, he'll, he'll run me up and down as to why they actually were created. But um, yeah, mm -hmm. I think finding a price point, like you said, if there was a story or a purpose that I could then attach to them, like I was making them as, you know, um, flag holders for uh, returning veterans who'd been you know killed or uh, just uh, you know not, not returning veterans who became uh, that one completely came out wrong but just you know like um something like that to that that you know that that, that it was that powerful and that that strong of a statement you know it would just be um th that would make more sense to me and then i could look at something that beautiful and be like okay i understand what this actually, is actually you know the the first thing that i thought of was because they have that beautiful brass handle on them, uh, and and I and I'm hoping Mike we can put a p picture up of this in the show notes. Um, we'll we'll steal his things without his knowledge, and uh, but I thought you know it kind of looks like a little suitcase, a beautiful little suitcase. Which then I thought, well this is so beautiful it could be like an urn, so it could be like a travel urn. You know you could carry your loveman's ashes with you to your business meeting. And it wouldn't look that out of place. Um, I, you know, when I first saw it, I thought executive office, you know. I mean, that was the first feeling sure. I got. Like it belonged in some kind of, you know, executive office sitting on a shelf someplace displaying like a, an 18, you know, 92 gun that was, you know, Colonel Custard's. You know, something like that is kind of what the, the feeling that I got when I first saw them. I don't think that's something I would put in my home. Um, it, you know, I do think, however, it would be something if I had an office, I would set that in, in an office space or if I knew, um, I don't know if I knew somebody that was, you know, lived in a really nice house or something, it could be used as to, to display an object or something you know, like really that. Gonna, but what's really going to piss me off is when he goes, yeah, they only took me like 10 minutes a piece. <laughs> that's, that's when I'm going to walk off a bridge. <laughs> no, I, I wish I was, look, I wish I was looking at them. I they're cherry. Right, and they're rimmed with they're rimmed with walnut, and they have a really ornate. Um, I, I, you know, I say ornate when I it's a very well shaped handle that kind of um, inlays into the side of the box with a brass handle. Is I that, mean, it's it's a, it's a walnut yeah. in, inlaid handle. And it's yeah, not, there's a bunch of it's not American walnut, right? It's it's some kind of exotic it's walnut. Like Mongolian or something. I don't know. I have. Okay. I, I didn't know there was a difference, which which was I couldn't be tell as to why I was so impressed with these. The, but the cherry, the, the cherry looks like it might have been slightly quilted as well. So I mean, they're just gorgeous boxes. I can't tell. I, I, I you know, so. Um, not to mention, he's using like Brasso, which is a company, uh, or Brusso. Is it either it's a Brasso or Brusso? 
uh, Bruce set. And that and, might be why he built these boxes was to, you know, to display the, the hardware. So, well, the, the hardware alone, those are, you know, a hundred percent, they're not like steel brass plated. They're like the upper echelon of, they are oh, yeah. the upper echelon. Of they hardware. are. Yeah. Peruvian they're, they're walnut, by the way, you know, yeah. The, and they don't, I don't know if you've ever used their hinges or not before, but there is zero play in those hinges. I mean, they are like, they just glide. Oh, yeah. They're gorgeous. They're, machi- they're all machined. They're not like pressed out and rolled. They're, so, they, they actually have like yeah. like machining operations. So now that we've defined the boxes, you know, how do we, you know, define the price? And I mean, I understand the question. I mean, Andy put it out in the world and um, I I think maybe there wasn't enough thought. And I'm not picking on you, Andy, if you're listening to this. Um, I just think that when you have something like this, and this is more for the audience than anything else, is to define what it's for. Like uh, Joel, Joel said that. I want to give credit where credit's due. Joel said that before we got started. There really needs to be a definition of what it's for. If it's a tea box, if it's a, you know, I, I could see these displaying some really nice candles, you know, like the all ones that you see that are all turned, you know, with some foam in there and like a candle box for a gift for someone ridiculously special in your life. But, um, you know, or, or, or an executive office or something like that. But, you know, have a definition, have a story behind them, and that, that'll give them, first of all, it'll help people give you a better idea of what they think it's worth and it'll help you in the end sell them uh, because it has a story now it's not just this gorgeous box it's a gorgeous box with a story yeah i I think the the marketing and this is one of those things we do as hobbyists we're like oh we made this thing and we're really proud of this thing and if if you i think the reason why we looked at this was is going so hey uh we want to take our hobby to the next level and we want to sell these things and we want to we want to give the world an opportunity to trade some value for our hard work um marketing and and this obviously had nothing to do with marketing uh his post but when when you're looking at it and you're going uh i'm going to make a product or something and i i've come up with this thing it's amazing part of that is uh, part of that is, is creating and defining the niche that that product fills. So if, if you're making a, if you're making a box like that, but it's, you know, it's maybe sized for a bottle and two glasses, maybe you want to give somebody, you know, a really nice scotch. Uh, now the bottle itself is going to be $300 worth of whiskey and the glasses and everything to go with it. So a $250, $300 box is not out of the question for this supersized gift. So it's, right. you know, it's all that, all that it's to define the story behind the box, the purpose of the box or whatever it is, is uh, immeasurably important to how the world perceives what your hard work is. Well, and also just to, uh, you know, to, to kind of make a, um, a point of this, cause I just had this thought and, and this might not be as profound when I say it as it was in my head, but the, uh, he, I mean, he made a box, right? It's you know you, anybody with a with a slab of wood and you know any, any amount of tools can make a box right so you wouldn't think that you know if I told you hey I was going to make some boxes to sell you wouldn't think that you know ten of them might garner three thousand dollars you know what I mean like you just you you wouldn't think now he'd probably get easily two fifty three hundred bucks for these things because they're they're just you know to the right person they're you know they're absolutely worth it but the we, we we talk on this podcast about you know reinventing the wheel sometimes and it's not necessarily that you have to reinvent the wheel you just have to 
you just have to find a way of making that wheel yours. You know what I mean? Like this is not right. There's no new ground being broken here, but this is a this is a, a testament to craftsmanship. You know what I mean? Like it's just these things are stunning. I mean, they're, they're yeah, it's just, a testament to excellence. And that's why I say it is. No. Yeah, just when I literally when I looked at it, he said, "You know, what should I sell these for?" I was like, "He he built these without a reason." I mean, he built these with no like he didn't have a reason to. I mean, for that level of craftsmanship, it was just you know that that's that's where I was like, "This guy, I, I have to know why he built these. I have to know the story behind this well, before I can right. answer anything." And not just one of them, but ten of them. Yeah, yeah but then, but like I said, off. but he doesn't. Go ahead. I said, I want to take my hat off to Andy because, you know, as a lifetime craftsman, um, one of the first things I do when I look at something is start looking for milling marks and, and you know, um, you know, tooling marks and those sorts of things, and especially right around the hinge areas, you know, that's really a what telltale sign of uh, skill set for a, a carpenter or craftsman is when you, you see recessed hinges um, and they look like they were cut in by hand. Obviously, he could have used a router and then finished the corners off by hand, but there's no tooling marks. I didn't see any from the picture anyway. You know, so he was extremely careful in putting those in, and that's not something you do quickly or rapidly. That takes that takes uh, somebody with some attention and uh, to detail and some uh, some know-how. Someone who's used, you know, and familiar with with chisels. Um, you know, I looked at you know, you looked at where how the corners come together on the. Um, on all the uh, the the banding around the edges, and then it was very clean. Nothing looked out of place. Um, uh, you know, it, it was just all the way around a really good build. So I mean, he's got some time wrapped up into each one of these. There's no question about mm -hmm. it. You know, and he's used excellent materials, excellent hardware. So the value of it really, I mean, the the you know the the craftsmanship and, and the build value of it is definitely high. Um, it's just. It helps when, like, we we have that story. We've got to define what it's for, why it was made, or um, what's special about it. What what sets it apart from every other good-looking box out there, especially mm -hmm. when you're coming out into the world and asking for help in or an idea on where to price things. Give it that story because that story is going to help define with the value, not just the build itself. Or if yeah, for that, the that's... uninitiated with that quality it's it's not only just defining from every other box you know of that style but every box because some people are like a box is a box who cares how it's made you know you 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 add value to that product a because it's handmade a because you know the materials that are involved but because it's reaching you know this isn't for kids legos you, you go to you go to walmart and you pick up a plastic box for the kids legos this is this is a thing. This is meant for, I, I don't know what it's meant for, but I, I can tell you that it would be meant for somebody to hold other valuable items, because it, it's it is of that. So it's it's a, you know it's it's you know no I can't imagine anybody storing, you know licorice bites in this because this is their licorice bites container, you know so it's, it's no you're a, not you're not carrying Purina around in this thing, but that's um. Yeah, so that, well, and that, I mean, there's the problem with value is that you, you know, and I don't, I don't even, I'm not sure if we've even talked much about this, you know, on our previous episodes, but the issue with value is that people, we kind of determine what is valuable just sort of as individuals. I mean, why do people buy Infinity instead of a Nissan? It's the same car, right? It's just they, they, they said, hey, this one's an Infinity instead of a Nissan. 
uh, and it's worth ten thousand dollars more because we put this GPS thing in there and a you know clock that talks to you. So, you know, it's just there's we just kind of made up our mind that it's okay to spend more for that because you're paying for sort of the status, right? So the value is it's 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 just made up. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? It's like we just we kind of someone just decided, hey, I'm going to sell this thing for more because. You know, and it's and when you look at the and I used to work on cars for a living. You look at the difference between an Infiniti and a Nissan. There isn't that much difference between the the manufacturer of the vehicles themselves. We just made a decision that one's much more valuable than the other, right? So that's you know same type of thing with a box. I mean, we this you can you can see the craftsmanship where, you know, so you you have a staple that you can say, hey, this is this is worth more because by looking at it, you can tell someone put a lot of time and energy into this and that 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 has to have some value associated with it you know what i mean so that's but if you're just trying to figure out like what's worth more um you know or what should i price this for i mean people pay damn near anything i was listening to some guy on a um a radio show not that long ago he's this artist he sells you know these hundred million dollar paintings and he said he goes yeah when i first started off as an artist i used to uh price my work at you know whatever he goes, and then one day I just added like you know two zeros to the back of that just to see who'd buy it. And next thing you know, like my my art is actually worth something, just because he started selling it for you know instead of thousand dollars, he's a hundred thousand dollars. You know, <laughs> he just kind of made the number up because somebody will pay for it. You know, if they think it's valuable enough. Yeah, so that's and this is one of the reasons I don't really price. You know, I I don't like to price things that I do because. It, my time, my time is worth whatever I spent doing it. But you know, I got something out of that already. You know, for me, it's not. Uh, this is not. I didn't trade that time to make a dollar. I traded that time because um, the, the the art, the, the the project itself was the the reason for me doing it, not any gain from it. You know what I mean? So it was like, so for me, pricing things out, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, for other people, you have to figure. Okay, well, you know, I, I have a family, I have bills, I have a mortgage. If I make X number of these in a day, I have to sell them for this because I have bills, a family, a mortgage. You know what I mean? So, it's um, that's I, I don't I don't envy people that have to walk that line and figure that stuff out because it, it seems very very hard from a from an outsider's perspective. You know what I mean? I just don't. When people ask, "Hey, what would you make those for?" I'm like, "Because oh, I want to." Is really the answer. You know what I mean? So it's that. And maybe I, that I was maybe that. Andy's answer to that too, is, and, and that's what I'm thinking. Maybe he just built them because he could. So. Right, right. Now, Izzy, can you give a little backstory on on Andy? Because I, and obviously we we are not picking on Andy because we have the deepest respect for Andy. Um, he just happened to give us a really good example. But but Izzy, t- talk a little bit about why he is a cool cat. Um. Well, for me, I, you know, I. I Hmm. It's fun to visit with people who are have the same uh, a similar mindset when it comes to inventive ideas and you know um, you know interested in product development and that sort of thing and that definitely fits Andy's bill. Uh, in fact, Andy's working with Mancuso Precision on a really cool product right now. It's one of those you know why didn't I think of that kind of products? Uh, so you know 
and I have conversations with Andy from time to time uh, about things we're working on, about questions. Um, we've even bounced ideas off of each other before, like, hey, what do you think of this? Um, and he's just a really smart guy. And that, and he's got a creative side to him too, which is one of those really rare things to find when you find somebody who has a real mechanical uh, uh, genius um, and then has, on top of that, a really unique artistic ability as well. Um, they're just, they're, they're, they're few and far between. So um, guys like Andy are, you know, he's methodical, he's meticulous, he's intelligent, he's, you know, he's just all, everything that I wish I was. So, <laughs> you know. Well, and, I, and I, if you had to guess, how many, how many Andy, bubble baths would you say he takes in a month? God. I would bet Andy has, I would bet Andy, I bet Andy's a shower guy and I bet he has an entire program. When he gets in, he has a routine when he, and I bet he doesn't take a shower that lasts longer than 10 minutes. I'll bet money think, on that. What, so, so not a bubble bath, maybe like, but, but definitely a loofah guy, right? Or, or not, not really. Uh, maybe, oh, I don't he, know, he maybe loofahs. a back scrub, maybe a back scrub loofah, you know, see so with the pole on it so you can get the hard spots. But that's yeah, this, practicality. Yeah. That's got nothing to do with, that's got nothing to do with self-pleasuring. So, yeah. All right. I, I, know, I have, Andy, I have another. Have to, you're going to have to let us know, buddy. Are you a loofah guy? So Yeah. yeah bubble bath, loofah. Uh, just mad, mad, you know, mad respect for Andy. Kudos to everything that he does. He, he puts a hundred percent into everything. Uh, he's extremely careful and very analytical about stuff, which is a trait that I don't have. Um, I'm just, I throw things together and go, okay, that looks great. Let's do it. You know? And then I have other people tell me, no, no, we got to stop. And, you know, so, um, but Andy does, Andy does it all by himself. He's a big boy. And, uh, you know, so he's got this really great, um, you know, you know, way about him and I just, I thoroughly enjoy him. So, uh, it just so happened that he posted some boxes and we found a place, we found a good topic. Well, and to I, I hope that, that, I hope he doesn't feel like he needs you to, to talk about what a good guy is. Cause I don't, I don't think I was, uh, anything but generous in my, I just, I just, oh, just no, you were a dick, man. You were just like beating them up, and it was. It was I, kind just, of, I, like, just, I just had to know oh, why they existed. Terrible. That's all. Yeah. So well, I've, I've got another. We're gonna we're gonna shift a little bit on this. If I'm gonna roll right over you guys, because uh because we're we're covering a kind of a hodgepodge, a potpourri, if you will, of topics. And one of the questions that we got asked was uh, from <laughs> the one checks of our mix of podcasts. <laughs> the checks mix of podcasts. <laughs> The, uh, the the leftovers at the buffet of podcasts. Uh, so our, our good friend to the show, Tony Rillo, uh, is uh, asked a question, and I'm just going to read it real quick. How do you guys handle the not fun part about making as a business, correspondence, bookkeeping, etc.? cetera? Uh, and uh, also the second question was, Oh, and ask Mike how that, uh, or now that summer now is that. winding down. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, now that summer is winding down, do you need to keep your bikini zone trimmed for pumpkin spice seasoning season? So, uh, it's pumpkin spice season. The... Yes. Well, I'll just go ahead yes. and I, I can answer the second part very quickly. Uh, in in that he acts like he doesn't know. But so the, the, the first part of the question, um, how do you guys handle the not fun part about making? Um, yeah, you guys, I mean, give me we a quick answer on that one so I, don't, yeah, we, so I don't kill myself. <laughs> um, I, Tony, I hire it done. 
Um, there's a little bit of it that I have to handle because the people I hire or have helped me tell me I have to do it. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't mess with that. I, it's, um, the correspondent stuff, um, I answer I answer emails uh, because I'm, I'm told to. And I'm pretty good about staying, you know, active on social media. And that's more, and that's not because I feel like I have to, it's because I really enjoy that part. Um, and, and the emails aren't so bad too. I mean, they can get a little bit monotonous when it's, you know, someone's like, oh, my plan set didn't download or I couldn't find this or whatever. And you have to get to that. But for the most part, um, you know, it, it, they get a lot of good emails. So it's, it's almost like, you know, having conversations with other woodworkers, which I enjoy. But um, I, yeah, if there's a part about, something here's the problem with me i know if i don't like it i'm not gonna do it so there's just no point in beating around the bush um and i would say the same thing to you if you're gonna if you there's something about it that you absolutely just cannot stand and know that you're gonna put off and procrastinate on find somebody to help you whether you know you get your wife to help you or or a sister-in-law or someone or brother-in-law you know whatever gets get someone to help you with that because it becomes something that can really drive you into the dirt really fast because you're gonna let it go you're gonna practice this is me. I'm talking me. Procrastinate on it. Not or, get it. Or draw yourself a bath and, and do it then. Right. So that that's that's how I deal with that sort of stuff. Now there are things about this that I just have to do, and I do them because I absolutely have to. But for the most part, if it's something that's going to drag me down, I'll try to get some help with that. And I I, I bet I bet you I bet you you're going to hear a different answer from um from Joel. No, I'm I'm right with you. Not, not only because it's going to drag you down and, and because, but maybe I don't have the skill set. I'm not a CPA. So I, I bring to the table the information that I'm doing mm-hmm. and then I can pass it over to somebody that has the competency to right. actually make, make the best decisions for those things. I'll give you guys so, a like, oh, Sorry, go. Focus your, focus your energy on the thing that you're good at, Tony. Let, let other people do the rest. Yeah, I mean, if you can afford it, obviously, obviously not, you know, if you are not able to afford a full staff, you know, to bottle your needs. Um, but, but it, you know, it's, there are certain tasks that are best left for people who, are, who really have a joy for those things. Well, and accountants are weird. Yeah, but when you can't around. afford it, find a way to give somebody else the task. Like that's just yeah. If, if I was going to say and that's a great that way part to... of it. You're going to lose your passion for it. Find find a yeah. way. And that's where family and friends really come in handy when you're first starting out. And I'm not saying take advantage of them forever, but when you're first getting going, you say, "Look, I could really use some help with this." Reach out to people you know who you care about and who care about you and want to see you succeed. Say, "Can you please help me?" Do never be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know, oh, and yeah. that's, you know, um, I give you a really good example, like with, with, uh, tool masters, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that we had a newsletters going out once a month and I'm terrible at newsletters. If you've ever read any one of the, if anybody's ever read a t- newsletter that I wrote, it, it's, it's awful and I'm no good at it. Um, and then, uh, uh, Jesse came on and started helping with tool masters and, and she's doing them twice a week and they're like, they're, they're amazing, you know? So just getting someone in that does a better job than you and you know will actually do it um is is huge it's you know it can be the difference between a business that does really well with great service and great customer service or it could be a business with you making this great product but everything else this is this you know it keeps getting pushed back or procrastinated on because it's just no fun 
So um, reach out to family, whatever you have to do to kind of get some help, even if it's just a little bit of help. Maybe they're not doing everything, but just enough to keep you motivated to get it, keep it going until you can afford to have um, either it hired out or, you know, partner up or whatever you do. And don't forget, you have a skill set, too. You may not have the money necessarily in the beginning to pay for somebody, but you have bartering abilities. Use them. If somebody, you know, if you can make a thing for somebody for services, um, bartering, you know, friends, family, and bartering when, when, they, are, when they are neither um, is a fantastic way to accomplish a business transaction, uh, especially in the beginning. If somebody needs a piece of furniture, if somebody needs something done, um, it's a fantastic way to leave some of that, you know, that money pressure. Yeah, yeah and, and I you would just say gotta, the only just, thing you gotta, you gotta monkey off your back. You gotta just don't yeah. don't don't spend time doing the thing you don't want to do. Like especially, you know, for somebody like Tony who's just you know again another guy like Andy just skilled beyond you know beyond comprehension and words. I mean, he's just the two of those guys are just really good at doing things. You know, so so do those things and get other people yeah. to do. Other things. Yeah, absolutely. So, Unless, you know, the, um, I would say the one thing, the one thing I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, try to find any help with is mortgages. You should definitely do your own mortgages. Absolutely. That's the internet. will <laughs> love to do that. By the way, and I, I don't think we've mentioned it, but Mike on occasion does, does a mortgage minute and, uh, and they are absolutely hilarious. He just, he just take maybe two, three paragraphs of really good information condensed in a very funny and informative way. And I honestly, I think at least once a month you should do something oh, similar. Because way more than once a month. Come on. No, I, I'm just saying on the on <laughs> I've the actually had the idea of doing a... Kind of go over uh, those things. YouTube channel around that because the... Um, I, I, I got to get... So in what I do, you know, the, the I'm not the boss and... There's a lot of regulation around things and, you know, branding and, you know, the sort of the way that you want people to see you. But um, and I have a tendency to be a tad harsh sometimes. And so but yeah, so I, I just think that there's a uh, I think there's probably a market for that type of information, because, like I said before, I mean, most, you know, mo if you go online and you like hit purchase. YouTube. Well, not only that, but it's just if you hit YouTube and you try to you try to look at these guys that, that are out there to give you advice. Every, I've never seen a video. I'm in the business, and I've never seen a video about mortgages on YouTube that I could get more than a half a second through without wanting to just throw myself off of everything. Like it's just the people online are mostly terrible. They, you know, they don't know how to describe things in ways that people don't understand. You know, if you're describing what a mortgage is to somebody who's never had one, that, that there's an art to that. You know, it's. It, it, me describing a mortgage to the guy that sits next to me is easy because he knows what the hell I'm talking about. But me describing that to someone who's never bought a house, who's never had a credit card, who's you know, who, who's you know, just financially illiterate in every way you could possibly imagine, they don't speak the same language. You know, I mean, it's like trying to describe dovetails to someone who's never you know, who's never seen a saw. You know, you just. You know, it just doesn't make sense. It's like when they uh, when they had those like Burger King commercials where they found those guys in like you know the the the, the hills of Malaysia and they gave them a cheeseburger and they didn't even know how to eat the friggin' thing because they'd never seen one before. You know, <laughs> like how do you how do you even start? They're just kind of staring at it, you know, trying to figure the whole thing out. So yeah, I think that the uh, 
having some type of language like that might be a good idea, you know, around something that, because it's a big financial decision. You don't want to make light of it, but at the same time, you can talk about it in a way that's interesting and fun that doesn't have to be all stuffy and, you know, jargon filled. So I I think that that, you um, could, um, that might be fun. You could, you could do one of those, you know, uh, put a bag over your head, you know, like sit in a dark room and change your voice, those voice changer things and do your mortgage minutes, right? <laughs> no, no, I'm good. If I do it, I'm going all the way. So it's a, actually, we've got some pretty cool things it. coming out for uh, no, 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 tank top. Um, yeah, no, I got, uh, there's some pretty, some pretty cool Jockeys. things getting ready to happen with our company. So um, we're nice. actually, yeah, I, I, I'll talk more about that once, uh, once we're able to, but yeah, the, uh, that, that, Mike's mortgage minute thing that's kind of, you know, sort of stupid in its purpose, I think is, is actually going to be a little bit more well received moving forward. So, but, um, you know, one thing too, and and, uh, just going through the comments of what Joel posted here, um, Mark, uh, yeah, he, uh, he posted on there, uh, how do you guys recover from a catastrophic failure? You know, when all the cards align, uh, when all the cards happen to align against you, he, I, this is, you know, this is one of those things where, like, I this is like a a bell to my dog. You know, as soon as it, this type of thing just kind of rings in my head when I hear it, because um, the anytime you're dealing with something where it seems like the whole world is is you know coming, in, you know, just the the world is falling down, right? It's just everything is it sucks, and mm-hmm. there's a, stagnation and being still is the worst thing you can do. Right. Amen. Absolutely. 100%. There is the stagnation sitting still and waiting for something to happen. Is the, and it's the, and it's the thing that feels right because you can't get control of anything. Everything's out of control. Everything's coming at you at one time. Everything seems like regardless of what you do, it's going to happen anyway. So staying still feels like the natural sort of inclination. It's the absolute worst thing you can do. If, 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 and the, I actually posted a quote online. I don't know who it says, when you're going through hell, keep going. I don't know who said mm-hmm. it originally, but being still and not moving and just waiting for the next thing to happen is the worst response to that. Get up and make something happen. If it's a lot of things coming at you at one time, um, tackle them one at a time. Pick a thing, get that thing out of the way. Pick another thing, get that thing out of the way eventually you'll have the stuff that's in that's a problem you know you'll start putting you know the the things behind you and if it's all happening at once pick one of them and and make it your bitch that's you know if you got 30 things it's got to be done pick one of them make it your bitch and then move on now you only got 29 Mm -hmm. and eventually you get on the other side of it so but the the inclination to sit there and let everything just kind of happen is the worst thing you can do just pick something and go after it so I think you got that one covered. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, actually, I, I'd like to make one note to the, those prophetic words, which is you need to figure out and define what catastrophic is. Because two things, being in the business that I'm in now and also being in the restaurant business, things were literally on fire sometimes. <laughs> you know, literally. You know, there, there are things that happen in a, in a, in the restaurant business or something like that, where you have 50 tickets up, nothing's going right. Your dishwasher hasn't shown up. Like everything is just the worst possible thing, but you know what? You get through the night because 
you just do it's your job you get through it because there's always something there's some fire that you have to put out so catastrophe and i'm thinking about this specifically literally means that your crap is underwater you know i'm thinking about houston right now as we record this the the waters are finally receding but there are there are millions of people that have lost their livelihood not to mention their homes so it's it's a double whammy you know that have beyond just you know their their assets but they've uh, they've lost their ability to earn so when you say catastrophe i think you really need to reshape how you're thinking about that because or unless you or def, or at least define it because right. unless your crap is six feet under murky water with alligators and by the way fire ants float uh, uh <laughs> yeah God. Uh, so so you know unless those things that's a catastrophe if it's because the order that you've been working on really hard fell through because the client didn't call you back because you ordered the wrong thing, that's not a catastrophe. That's your job. And like Mike says, when you're going through hell, those little bits of hell that you have to deal with, you just go through it because that's what you need to do. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because the persistence, the thing that gets you through that event, that's that's the thing. That's the thing that makes you different than the rest of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I, I'd like to, um, I don't necessarily know if it's disagree, but, but maybe um, offer a differing perspective. Um, so human beings are adaptive, right? So they rise or fall to, you know, the heights or the lows of whatever situation they're put in. That's just, the, it's the way we are. So if your house may not be underwater, right? You may not be being chased by fire ants and crocodiles and, or alligators or which, you know, I, I never know the difference anyway, but um, if, if something seems overwhelming to you, it's overwhelming. You know, it, now it may not be overwhelming in the way that you went to bed one night and woke up and everything in your life was suddenly gone, right? Because it's what the people in Houston are, are facing. Um, but they adapt to that the same way that, you know, uh, you're losing hours at, uh, at the office and, you know, you, you might be going, getting behind on your mortgage. You know what I mean? Like those stresses are the same, even though they're very different situations, the body and the mind sort of react the same to them. Um, so it's the other side of that, though, is that you have to define, hey, things could be an awful lot worse because it, it is easy to only see the negative things as they're happening to you. So you have to, you have to take a step back and kind of look around and say, okay, well, yeah, this all sucks and this is all terrible, but what's good? You know, like what I I can still stand. I still have my family. I may have lost everything, but I'm healthy. I can rebuild, you know, all these other things. And, and, you know, people who are dealing with, you know, um, you know, financial issues are, are much different than, you know, people dealing with, you know, workload versus, you know, their house just got swept away. You know what I mean? So, but I don't like to diminish the stress that people feel by saying, you know, hey, you have to, you know, get some perspective and, and don't be such a baby because those things might be very real and very pressing to you because we've all been there and something that, you know, you, it's bothering you and you don't know why, but you just can't get around it. And it's not that big of a deal, but it's a big, you know, it's a big deal to you. So you got to kind of work through it. But, um, 
it, you know, you also have to take a step back and say, hey, you know, I've got all these things going for me right now, even in the midst of all of this nonsense. Um, and, and, you know, the advice is still the same. Just pick a thing and work through it. You know, I mean, it's whether that's your house just got swept away. You know, if you're if you're in the middle of a hurricane and there's water coming in your kitchen, you've you've got to you've got to deal more immediately with, hey, I've got to do this right now because I might drown. I got to do this. Right, you know, so it's like just the regardless of the the size of the situation you find yourself in, the advice doesn't change. Pick a thing and just work through it. Don't stay still. You know, and I and I, I use the financial example just as one because I, you know, I deal with people in finances. So I don't know if that's what Mark is dealing with right now. He didn't allude to that in any way. So, um, so I don't, I'm not putting that on him. So if he's listening, <laughs> I don't want anybody to think Mark's behind on his mortgage because he didn't say that. So, but, um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't be afraid to have problems on a small level, you know, cause that's, because problems are problems, you know, they're real regardless of the size that they are. But at the same time, um, you know, you also have to have some perspective as to, you know, take a minute and just kind of soak in the things that are right in your life. And if you have the ability to work through a problem, you have to celebrate that because a lot of people don't have that ability. You know, I mean, there's a lot of folks that they're going to get hit with something catastrophic and for no fault of their own and, and they can't really do anything. I mean, those people in Houston right now, I mean, they literally woke up to nothing one day, you know, and it's, they, they, they're just a product of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, and it's, they, they have this overwhelming thing that they now have to deal with, but sitting still doesn't make that go away. They have to deal with it. You know what I mean? So, um, and they have real problems, you know what I mean? But that doesn't diminish people who, you know, also have things that are bothering them that they're trying to work through just because they're not on the same level doesn't mean they're not real. If I may. <laughs> so. um, my dad would say, drop the skirt, man up, pony through it. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a, uh, if, he, if he's wearing a skirt with a pony in the room, he and I need to party more. <laughs> no, um, you guys both made a lot of really good points. You know, first of all, you know, what what we perceive um, one way, someone else might perceive another. And I have a very dear friend of mine whose father who says nothing is a catastrophe, which is not necessarily true. I suppose if the people around you are dying and bridges are falling and the waters are coming in, that that that's bad. Um, but you know, I, I would I would offer this. I would say remember to keep things in perspective. Uh, it's hard especially when you're in the middle of it and it feels like it feels like bridges are collapsing around you uh, when they're really not but you know it feels that way and uh, I would say what would were you both both points you both made um, you know not stopping don't stop never ever stop and that's where people get into trouble because once you stop not only are you not getting anything done you give you're affording yourself the opportunity to grovel or dwell or sit in your misery um don't don't give yourself that chance you know if things are going bad if the money's not coming in go you know get out there and build some adirondack chairs to sell whatever if you had an order that didn't come through start finding ways to or an order that you built and didn't get start looking for people to you know to sell the order to um you know whatever you're going through there's there's an answer for it um 
as long as you know as long as you're you're happy or as long as you're healthy and your 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 family's safe um everything else is workable you can work through it so that's more and more well, i think the older i get i i i want i i honestly think it's when i was younger i thought good ideas rule the world and that's the upper echelon that's the thing to to grasp for is get the good ideas work on the good ideas because good ideas save all and the older i get and the more i've learned people while the good ideas really matter it's persistence in almost every case it's the thing that makes a successful person is persistence because because there aren't there there's no day that goes by on somebody that's striving to do something somebody that's actually making waves that something isn't turning into shit it it just it just happens and it might be a few things it might be a whole lot of things but there's no day that just goes perfect and it's real easy at any point in time to 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 give in to that side of it but because you have the persistence because you know what you're doing because you have friends that can support you because you have family that can support you because there are people that believe in you or you believe in yourself because you really do that's that's the groundwork for it persistence gets you through those catastrophes but it's it, you just keep marching forward you have a thought on the matter you say screw the world i'm right on this and i'm going to march forward it, i don't care if you're selling tupperware or if you're making the new microchip for smartphones. It's the people that have persistence in what they're doing that lead and that make the life they want for themselves. So that's that's my answer to that question. Amen. That's a good one. Yes, and I think uh, I think as as good as any to uh, to take us out, Joel. As, as is often the case, you end up with the last word, and I'm sure... Somebody will find a way to condense that and put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I, um, I, I think that that's pretty much it for the uh, the questions. Where uh, where might they be able to find you, gentlemen? Izzy, please let the folks know. Uh, everything Izzy can be found at IzzySwan.com. Yes, um, and uh, Mister Crawford. Uh, you can find me at MD Woodshop on uh, Instagram. That's at MD Woodshop. Uh, and our products for this wonderful Christmas season, if you're not making your own, are available at missingdigitwoodshop.com. Ooh, I was just over there, oh. by the way, Joel. I went and checked out your website. Yeah. You really do take some darn good photos, man. I was just like... Thank you very much. I hate to admit that's the first time I've been over there. Um, I just haven't. Uh, I've seen your stuff on social media. I haven't actually gone to the website, and I went over there. I was like, "Wow, he does a nice job." <laughs> so you know, there's a there's a really cool organization for folks that are makers and uh, tool aficionados and uh, <laughs> in the in the purveyors of uh, of construction and cabinet building and all sorts of things called the uh tool masters association and i actually did not one but two classes and apparently i'm slated for another one you are uh, in november you are uh, although i didn't return your phone call that's okay but, I, uh, I, I have you on the list i'll call you back yeah, well it's i would i would tell you my other thing other than going to missing digit 
would be going to uh, uh, izzy.com and taking a look at the Toolmasters Association. Tiny itty bitty fee, awesome organization of very cool people. There's a Facebook page and group uh, that uh, allow you to ask questions to professionals and get really cool discounts on tools. I, I know I'm this is impromptu, uh, <laughs> but one of the one of the very cool fe features of that is that I get to sit down and listen to Izzy talk about SketchUp, or I get to listen to uh, who who is just on uh, John. We had John Malecki on talking about growing businesses. Yeah, on Malecki talking about the exact same thing that the yeah. podcast was born on, which this, is you know making making a business of and of doing a thing. If you're going, if you are in Toolmasters, this Wednesday night's class is with a gentleman named Robbie Vina, Robbie Vina, who owns Woodland Creek Rustic Furniture, multimillionaire, busted his butt, was persistent his whole life, turned his business into a multi-million dollar business, and he's going to talk to us on Wednesday night about how he did that. Started in a garage, folks, just like you and I. See, that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, Toolmasters Association, look it up on uh, on Google. You'll find all the links for it. Uh, certainly worth your time and the, the four or eight bucks that you spend a month for the membership. Joel, and you all are the other saint. things I didn't mention. Thank you for the. I'm, well, no, I just I, it's a, it's a, it is a it is a fine uh, organization that I wholly support am and uh, a member of, just like Hair Club for Men. Yes. What? What? <laughs> hey, I just wanted to. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug. There's uh, these new bath bombs that uh, I found online. <laughs> <laughs> Laffy bubble bubbles uh, bubbles. I'm gonna start calling you bubbles. In fact, we're gonna have to have um, Mike Laffy on. I mean, I don't know why. Class. <laughs> I don't know why you. Uh, I don't know why you would think that That's that would be something I would, name. I would hide from. <laughs> Mike bubbles. I would absolutely adopt that in a, in a heartbeat. That's that's. There's nothing. There's nothing embarrassing about that at all. So, all right. So bath that's, bombs know, and I mean, Tool Masters Association. And um, I think that probably pretty much covered. And the box, the box. Hey, oh, the box. I would like to encourage our listeners to go over and leave a, a review on iTunes. Um, I didn't realize how much of an impact that really makes. I was talking to a couple other podcasters who say it makes a big difference. So, um, you know what? Uh, if you guys are enjoying what we're doing, um, please go over there and do that for us. That really helps out. Yeah, persistence. Well, people. let me. Uh, I'll go ahead and uh, just say. I'll go ahead and just say that uh, you know you can find us at maybe I've said too much .com is the website where the magic happens and there's no magic there but that's what people say. Uh, social media at maybe podcast on Facebook, iTunes, and Instagram. And uh, if you've listened to more than two episodes and you haven't yet left a five star review, then you're a lazy human and uh, you know you should be ashamed of yourself. You need to go over there now. <laughs> Leave a five-star review on iTunes. What the hell is wrong with you people? I mean... Be persistent, people. We sit here... I mean, it's... We can't make money until you leave reviews. And even then, we still can't make money. <laughs> so, so, yeah, they, so go leave reviews, people. This is ridiculous. We're, I we're, gave you seven minutes on bubble baths. You guys, the people that yeah, listen well, to this don't appreciate what goes into this podcast. Seven minutes talking about bubble baths is damn near impossible. And I'll, I, I will say, of all the other maker podcasts out there, you could listen to um, the reclaimed audios of the world and the making is it, making it, and all that. 
Bob Claggett is not talking about bubble baths, okay? Bill Lutz is not running on about bath bombs. <laughs> this isn't now, happening, though. okay? All right? And if they do it now, Bill, they're, just, you. they're just copycats. They're just copycats <laughs> from this point forward. So, oh my gosh. The fact that you are, I can't believe you're still listening to this. You should be leaving a freaking five star review right now. I, I can't even deal with it anymore. So I can I mention can I mention that uh, I gotta get some I gotta I'm get some of that uh, eucalyptus um, bath bombs. I need to I need to calm down. Is, well, I, is what's I I, th- I think not only the, uh, the the essential oils are important for you, but I think sponsorship from like somebody like Bed Bath and Beyond or maybe Victoria's Secrets. Ooh, ooh, Victoria's uh, Secrets. Product line. Yeah, definitely. Because oh, we could use the models. Yep. Uh, so no, it's uh, no, we couldn't. You know, it's. <laughs> We're reaching out to no, you know DeWalt and Bed Bath and Beyond. I think I think those are co-sponsorships that we should uh, be uh, looking for. How where think... else where else are they going to find this kind of diversity, guys? I mean, only right here. I I am not going to be happy until we get a sponsored X carve that then takes a Bed Bath and Beyond lotion bottle and cuts it into something else. That is when we will have known we made it. So. Hey, you know nobody does like uh, like personalized uh, carved soaps. You know that could be a thing. That you know, should we, be a we thing. Could, we could. It should be a thing. It could. Oh you know, my god. Uh, it, I'm going to do a whole line of Mike's bum. You know, <laughs> soap, soap on a rope for the discerning gentleman. <laughs> you know, All I'm saying call is, it, they call it Mikey butt instead of monkey butt. <laughs> that's right, Mikey butt. Mikey Why butt soap. Why is it? How did we make it to 2017? We've been in the industrialized industrialized world for like 200 years now. How is that not a thing? I mean, we've had pet really, rocks. Why not Mikey Butt soap? Exactly right. Why have you not mm. left a review yet? Are you still listening to this? Are you kidding me? God, we're gonna we're gonna torment him for hours. This podcast. And, is and, be and seven if you leave a four star review, I am gonna I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to involve a, a bathtub, Prius. though. I can drive anywhere in the United States for 20 yeah. bucks. Don't leave yeah. a four-star. You better be a five. It's going to have – it's, it's going to involve a bathtub is all I'm saying. So, But, uh, all right, I'm going to go soak for a little while because I'm a little on edge. So I, I don't know if you can hear the hot water running or not, but uh, I'm better now. All right, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hey, Joel. If Just we're going to be cellmates and you drop your and you drop your monkey butt soap, are you going to bend over and pick it up? Uh, I I will always offer you the Mikey butt soap. I I'm a man of honor. <laughs> we have to make an honor rope version now. I think. Yeah, that's what you guys get for not leaving a fucking review. <laughs> Enjoy that visual, folks. Good night. Ha, ha, ha.